Welcome to Geared for Growth. Today, we're zeroing in on the central coast of New South Wales with special guest Matt Sharp, who's the founder of Sharp Property Buyers. Now, Matt's kind enough to put up with some of my rubbish about him being a former rugby league player, but after we get through that, we talk about the demographics of the Central Coast, the key pockets where a lot of investor interest and owner-rock interest is coming from Sydney, and ways that he thinks people can capitalise on that exodus. We go in detail about the Central Coast market, where the opportunities are, and it's an awesome interview with Matt, who's a great person to chat to and share some really good wisdom. So here's Matt. Matt Sharp, thank you for joining me on Geared for Growth. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Excited to be here. A pleasure, mate. Now, for anyone that hasn't come across you before, Matt, can you start us off with who you are and what you specialise in? Yes. Yeah, so, my name's Matt Sharp. Uh, I'm a buyer's agent here on the Central Coast. Um, I guess you'd say I probably specialise in helping people move into our area or relocate from, you know, predominantly Sydney and then move into our area. Uh, not only do I work in the owner-occupier space, but also help people, um, you know, securing their future with um, identifying good investment properties. Beautiful. Now, Matt, what were the posters on the bedroom wall growing up as a youngster? Uh, mate, I'd like to say that they were real estate posters, but they they weren't. <laughs> they, were, they were made up of, of rugby league posters and, and surfing. Um, I grew up here on the Central Coast and, you know, surfed basically every single day as a kid growing up, um, still try and surf as often as I possibly can now. And when I wasn't surfing, um, I was down the footy oval um, kicking, a, kicking a rugby league ball around. So, yeah, full of rugby league and, and surfing posters, mate. So I'm just going to try and guess because I know you're a little bit younger than I am. Maybe Mark Ocalupo and Ricky Stewart. How close? Oh, nah, they're probably a little no. bit older for me. Oh, probably damn. more around the Brad Fittler, Andrew Johns and the surfers. Go. Well, I'm going to say Kelly Slater, but Kelly Slater's probably <laughs> double both of our age. Um, he's, yeah, he's older than I am. Yeah, there'd be Kelly Slater was there on, on the walls because he's a champion and, and probably the, the Taj Burrows um, and, and that sort of era were, were my favourite surfers growing up, mate. There you go. Oh, well, it's worth a shot. What about um, what about property? How did you get started in property and what was your first investment? Mate, I started, look, I started saving at a really young age um, with the purpose to buy my first home, right? It wasn't necessarily going to be an investment. All I wanted to do was purchase a property. And how we started saving was I have a brother and two stepbrothers. And um, when we all finished work, like finished school and started working full time, we decided that we would contribute $100 a week each into a combined savings account. Um, and with the goal and the objective of that account was to withdraw the money one day and then buy a house together, right? Um, but we actually, you know, as the years went on, we, we continued to contribute into that account. But as the years went on, you know, my brother moved overseas or a couple of them moved overseas and we all went into different directions like, like we do. So we decided to sort of divvy up the money back to what everyone was owed and mate, I ended up buying my first property um, using the majority of that savings actually. And um, Wow. It, yeah, yeah. It's really – I look back now and I just think that was such a such a wise move from us. You know, it, it caught us – commit. you know, it taught us commitment, um, you know, certainly – 
um, dedication and we also held each other accountable, right? There were a couple of, there were certainly a couple of weeks there where one of us, you know, decided not to put the money in because of whatever reason you do when you're a young guy and, um, you know, and we'd all sort of give each other a little bit and make sure that we're all back on track. But, mate, that, that was basically where it started for me and I ended up buying an owner-occupied place that I still live in today. So, um, yeah, wow. really proud really proud we did that and happy to say that all my brothers own their own houses as well at the moment. So, yeah, it's a good little starting block for us. I have to say I'm mildly disappointed because when I found out you were a rugby player, it was my intention to paint you as a meathead with the IQ of an indoor pot plant, but you actually sound like you're a very clever young lad. <laughs> yeah, mate, that's a stereotypical uh, rugby league for <laughs> sure. Uh, I actually played halfback, so I'd like to think I got a little bit of brains. Yeah, you're clever enough to not be at the sort of the, the smashy-bashy end, right? Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. tell I'm a rugby expert, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stayed away from a lot of the tough stuff and, uh, mate, I think my coaches and, and teammates will probably second that as well. So, I mean, I um, didn't play rugby league, but I certainly wasn't clever enough to be stashing money aside to the point where I think you bought that property when you were about 24, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct, mate, yep. So what led you to be that sort of switched on that you knew that that was probably an important thing to do instead of perhaps buying sort of port and coke and ruining your weekends sort of prostrate on the ground like I was? <laughs> oh, mate, it's a good question. Um, look, my parents were, were obviously a big influence on us. My stepdad was an accountant, um, so so there was obviously some some wise advice there, but I guess for me it was stability. I suppose to buy to buy our first home, or for me to buy my first home. Um, I grew up growing up like we rented a lot um, with my mum, and I guess from a young age I identified that I, I just knew the difference between owning your own house and, and renting, right? And it was something that you know I aspired to to want to do was was to buy my own home. And you know, in the lead up to that, I, I didn't have any aspirations to build an investment portfolio or anything like that. The main objective was to just buy my own house and, and have some security and, and have something that I was proud of, I guess. Yeah, wow. Yeah, very very switched on, youngster. Now, where does the rugby league fit in? Is that something that you were sort of planning as a career heading out of school? Give us a bit of a background on that. Mate, it was. Um, I had aspirations to grow up to obviously play NRL like, you know, a lot of kids do that, that grow up and play play the game. Um Unfortunately, I wasn't good enough to play the, to play rugby league at a professional level. Um, I, I did play in lower la, lower grades though, and um, played semi professional for you know just over ten years, which I'm super proud of. And wasn't you know I'm not bitter or anything like that that I didn't play in our role. Um, I, I, I wasn't good enough, and probably just didn't apply myself as much as what I needed to. Um, but had a really, really enjoyable time playing, um, you know, had some success in multiple competitions and lucky enough to, to play with my brother um, for a lot of those years. Um, rugby league also took me over to America. I played in New York for a season, which was a phenomenal experience um, and also, you know, created some, some great memories and, and have some lifelong friends because of it. Yeah, awesome. Sounds fantastic. Now, so you're working semi-professionally as a as a rugby league player, and you would have had, uh, I guess, a a proper job for want of a, of a better term. What what was that? 
Um, so I worked in the corporate space um, while I was playing rugby league. So, um, you know, I used to travel um, sort of all over New South Wales, um, yeah, working on different projects and, and, and basically, um, you know, it was good because it got to, I got to see a lot of New South Wales and experience a lot of different areas that probably a lot of people don't. But, um, yeah, slowly moved into the buyer's agent space. Yeah, so you were, I guess, on the road for for a good ten years in the in the corporate space. There, what made you want to become a buyer's agent as your actual career? Mate, it's a good question. Um, look, I guess I guess I wasn't happy in my in my last role, and I just had a fire in the belly that I felt as though I had something to offer in this space, mainly based on my own personal experience through investing. Um, I felt as though there was an opportunity there to, to help some people get better outcomes when purchasing property, whether it be owner-occupier stuff or, you know, investment properties. Um, there's certainly, you know, there's there's plenty of stories and, and horror stories out there about, you know, people being misled or, you know, mistreated by, you know, sales agents or developers. And I just, I could just, I, I guess I identified that there was an opportunity there to, to help you know, to help the buyers. It's basically that simple. Beautiful. Now, let's talk about the Central Coast. I've got, I've got to say, I've spent a lot of time in the Central Coast. I don't live terribly far away, but I'm confused by it. There's all sorts of little pockets and hamlets. Can you you give us a bit of a lay of the land of the New South Wales Central Coast? Mate, yeah, happy to. You know, I, I grew up here. This is my hometown. Super, super passionate. I've, I, you know, I've travelled and lived, um, you know, all over the world and this is what I call home and I'm very biased but I think that this is one of the best places to live. Um, mate, basically the Central Coast is it's extremely diverse. Um, you know, it's made up predominantly of beach suburbs but also there's some, there's some rural-style areas here as well when i say rural i mean 15 minutes to the ocean but you're on acreage right and you feel like you could be in you know in the middle of nowhere um mm. but basically the prime suburbs are, are your terrigals avoca wombrels and probably your mcmaster's beach and now slowly shelly beach is starting to to move into one of those prime suburbs so that's predominantly where everyone wants to be or the main focus is and then you sort of just work away from those areas um you know where it becomes more affordable for, for first-time buyers or investors or whatever. So almost like a ripple effect away from those, um, away from those prime suburbs or those, those major um, attraction areas. And those beach-style properties, we're talking some fairly big biscuits for those, right? Um, mate, yes and no. Like it's, you know, depending on what you're comparing it to, like certainly not compared to Sydney, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking a couple of mil, two or three million dollars for for those beachside suburbs and those premium homes. Yes. Mm. When it comes to property investing, are there any particular pockets of the Central Coast that I guess investors are more active in, or, or you see as having the best sort of growth potential? Uh, mate, it really depends on exactly what it is you're after. Um, I think. I think the areas, um, like I said, just outside of those main suburbs around sort of like your Terrigals of Ocas and Wombrels, um, I think that they provide huge amount of value and potential and growth potential going in the like going forward, mainly because of their acquisition costs. Um, I think it's extremely affordable. Um, you know, there's suburbs up here like Kalani Vale, Bado Bay, uh, Long Jetty, where 
you know, you can, uh, Berkeley Vale is another one where you can pick a property up for sort of, you know, six dollars $650,000. Um, you know, there's higher rental demand there. Um, you're only 15 minutes to the freeway. You're probably less than 15 minutes to the ocean. So feel as though there's incredible value there. Um, also around Gosford, you know, Gosford's going through a major transformation now. Uh, I think on the back of COVID as well, there's probably going to be more and more people relocating to the area, but they're also going to want to be in close proximity to, you know, Sydney and the major transportation links as well, which would be, you know, the M1 and, and also the railway line. So I think around that Gosford area as well offers um, some really good investment opportunities too. I saw an infographic not that long ago of the people commuting to Sydney daily that live in, say, Newcastle on the Central Coast. And I guess Newcastle is about twice as far as the Central Coast is to, to Sydney. I can't remember the number. That would have been really helpful for this interview. But it's it's significant, right? There's a lot of people that have decided that they want to commute. Now, with the, the, the working from home rise, I'm trying to not talk about the pandemic. It seems every, every episode is about it. Um, are, are you imagining that You'll, you'll see much more of a, an interest from Sydney-siders to move that little bit away for the lifestyle that the Central Coast has on the cheap compared to Sydney prices? Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, mate, I don't want to be talking, um, you know, too much about the pandemic, but it's, it's obviously extremely topical. But that's exactly what we're seeing here and what we're experiencing here on the Central Coast. There are a lot of people looking to relocate out of Sydney to come up here to the Central Coast. Um, was that happening pre-pandemic as well? It was. It certainly was. Um, but the trade-off when you move up to the Central Coast um, pre-pandemic was, you know, I'm going to have to commute five days a week to, to Sydney um, to the office. Uh, now, as everyone knows now, you know, the days of being chained to a desk are, are a thing of the past and I don't see it coming back um, quickly anytime soon. So I yeah. guess there are more people now that are just thinking, okay, let's just, you know, let's just cash in in Sydney and, and relocate up here or, or maybe let's stop paying rent and then purchase up here on the Central Coast. But we're seeing probably around 80% of, of buyer inquiries are people coming out of Sydney, which is, which wow. is yeah, which is huge, absolutely huge. And, mate, it's quite obvious, right? Like the lifestyle is one thing, but obviously the affordability is a big thing as well. Um, you know, that's a huge driver for the area, knowing that you are, so close to the beach, you know, you've basically got all of the amenities here that you need. Um, you're in arm's reach to, to Sydney and arm's reach to Newcastle. Obviously, you've got the huge, you know, you've got the, the Sydney CBD, but not only that, you've also got, you know, the airport at Newcastle, the airport in Sydney as well. So you're, you're very, very well connected. And, and basically, you know, it's you get twice as much for your money up here on the central coast so um you know for me again i'm very biased but it's it's almost a no-brainer it's okay to be biased i think (laughs) it's nice it's nice it's nice to love where you live for for any investors that have had their ears sort of pricking up at perhaps a little bit of an opportunistic play yeah for for the for the astute investor, is there a way to capitalise on this sort of Sydney mass exodus? Where are these Sydney ciders going that may put a bit of a spike in demand that prices will will move with? 
Mate, again, it just depends exactly what it is you're after. Um, one thing I will note that's very, very interesting is I, I was doing some research the other day and um, just on vacancy rates, and, and I noticed I was just doing some comparables with some, you know, with some popular Sydney areas, and I did a comparable with um, with uh, eastern suburbs of Sydney, right? And their vacancy rates have, have basically doubled um, since the pandemic, and up here on the central coast, ours have actually halved. So it's become more tightly held. The vacancy rates now, I think they were at around 2%. They've now come down to around 0.8%, which tells you that there is a huge demand and there's a lack of um, you know, rental properties available. So I honestly do think that there are opportunities for um, you know, the vast majority of people up here, depending on your budget, I think that you, know, you can purchase something for, for a million dollars um, in a premium suburb or you can purchase something for as low as you know, five fifty. Um, in, in probably a less desirable, lower socioeconomic area, but it's not necessarily going to perform, you know, any better or any worse. So I, I do think that there are opportunities here for, for anyone really looking to purchase an investment property. The Central Coast has obviously got a few little markets within the market. How have prices done since the beginning of the pandemic? Have they held up pretty well? Have they increased because of the interest from Sydney? Mate, they've held up fine. Um, there actually has been a slight increase um, in different markets, and I think that's just on the back of low stock. Um, there's always been an issue with stock up here on the Central Coast, and I, I guess it's a similar story to Sydney and Newcastle where you know there aren't too many huge developments or any sort of oversupply. There certainly isn't an oversupply in the more desirable suburbs. Um, we're seeing a lack of stock come online, um, you know, more buyer inquiring coming from not only local buyers but also um, people coming from Sydney. So I think that is going to keep things um, or at least keep our property market extremely stable going forward, which is a good thing for the locals, right? Yeah, Absolutely. I've observed typically the Central Coast market tends to follow Sydney from a pricing point with a bit of a delay. Um, so, for example, if if Sydney's doing 10% growth, maybe six months later, the Central Coast tends to do the same thing. Is there anything to that sort of anecdotal observation? Do you think that the market does follow what's happening in Sydney? Yeah, mate, I think that's a fair observation. Um, I, I probably wouldn't, I, like, I wouldn't say that the, I guess the changes, you know, the, you know, whether or not there's an increase of 10% or, you know, a, a, a decrease in 10%. I don't think you see that as much here on the Central Coast. I think it's probably a little bit more subtle. The changes are a little bit more subtle compared to what you'd see in Sydney. But one thing that, you know, it's a huge I guess, driver here for the Central Coast and something that keeps the property market, you know, performing well is just that, uh, I guess, the affordability story um, coming out of mm. Sydney. Um, I think that, um, you know, I don't think that that should be underestimated given its close proximity to, to Sydney as well. And, you know, you hear, you hear people speak about the ripple effect. Um, you know, we just experienced that off the back of Sydney. But definitely um, we do, I, I would say that we do follow Sydney, um, but probably just don't have – it's not like for like, okay? So, yeah. you know, it's probably a little bit more subtle in the changes in the property market for sure. 
Yeah, I guess it gets to the point in Sydney where people are thinking, okay, we need to spend 1.8 to get into our suburb now. Bugger this. Pack the things, honey. We're going to the Central Coast. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you can basically halve your mortgage, um, which means you probably, I'm not going to say exact like for like, but you basically halve your working hours. You know, maybe you can just take a a smaller paying job and, and have a little bit more relaxed lifestyle or enjoy your time a little bit more as opposed to, you know, working 60-hour weeks to pay your $2 million mortgage. It's um, it's crazy. Mm. And I think on the back of everything that's happening in recent events, I, I think people are just more aware of not only their health, but I think it's just given everyone a, a chance to have like a full reset to say, look, am I in a job that I want to be in? Am I in a house or a location that I want to be in? Um, you know, yes or no. Unfortunately, Sometimes these huge events, um, you know, they, they, they get people to think about, you know, their current position. And I think on the back of that, um, you know, more and more people are, are looking to, to move out of Sydney, whether it be to the Central Coast or, or rural New South Wales or, or wherever. I, I just think that, it, you know, there's, there's certainly some opportunities out there that people are now considering that they weren't because, you know, they may have been stuck in a rat race or just stuck in the, stuck in the grind. Yeah, and it'd be nice to think that that is some potentially very positive things happening on the back of something pretty negative as well. Yeah, totally where's agree. the where's the smart money going in terms of suburbs on the central coast? Maybe if you can give us a couple of examples. So we talked about some of the more premium suburbs around the million dollar mark. There's six fifty if you're just going back from the beach style suburbs. I know there would be probably some cheaper price points but can you point us to some of the the areas that you've got your magnifying glass on at different price points yeah okay mate i really like um long jetty so long jetty is extremely tightly held they're going through a a huge gentrification at the moment uh have been for you know a, a couple of years now very very popular with young families um extremely tightly held and the good properties there are hard to you know, hard to come by, uh, but close proximity to the water, both the lake and the ocean, also the main strip there um, of Long Jetty, which is really, really popular. Um, I like that area. The next suburb back from from the beach or the the ne- neighbouring suburb of Long Jetty, I, I also really, really like in Kalani Vale. Um, there are some areas there that I see show tremendous value. Um, there are some areas there that you'd probably want to steer away from as well. But again, an affordability standpoint, um, really, you know, you get a lot for your money, close proximity to the water, both the ocean and the lake, um, lots of young families moving in and people are moving in there and staying, right? That, that's probably the key for any investor. You know, you don't want people to be, you know, you don't want there to be any high transactions into any one area. Um, Berkeley Vale is another one that's in that same sort of area. Again, you're moving away from the water. Things are slowly becoming more and more affordable. Um, but I guess in the higher end, uh, you're looking at areas that are closer to the beach. If you're looking to invest, um, I think a couple of those premium suburbs I mentioned, I, I believe that they're going to show tremendous value going forward. And there may even be an opportunity there to be, um, you know, to be holiday letting those properties, um, you know, given that there probably isn't going to be too much, um, there isn't going to be too much overseas travel going forward. So, um, okay. no, even when you said um, that you were in New York playing rugby, I got nervous, and I think that's probably 10 years ago. 
it was 2016, so it wasn't too long ago. But yeah, it's hard to <laughs> right. imagine. It's hard to imagine that um, you know you, you mm. could easily just jump on a plane and, and go and live in New York or go and go and travel throughout Europe. Um, I was in Europe only 12 months ago, and that that feels like an absolute lifetime ago. But um, mm. mate, yeah, I, like I said, I, I think this area certainly offers plenty of investment opportunities for you know for a variety of different investors. There's opportunities here to you know, to, to subdivide, to build granny flats. You know, most of the properties up here are single dwelling. So there is an opportunity there to do developments in the future, you know, to do dual occupancies. It just depends what you're after and what's aligned with your strategy. Now, speaking of strategies, you're obviously a property investor yourself. What does your bread and butter sort of investment grade property look like? Of course, we can think about all the cliches of houses versus units. You're looking for renovators to sort of uptick so you can get them under market value. What, can you talk us through a, um, a match sharp bread and butter investment property? Yeah, for me personally, um, look, I like to... The Give for Growth Property Investing Podcast is presented by our business, MCG Quantity Surveyors. If you're an investor or a property professional looking to get the best tax depreciation deductions for yourself or your clients, please get in touch with us at mcgqs.com.au. It's our mission to help as many property investors as we can to maximize their claims and maximize their property education as well look at my investment um, from a scarcity point of view. So typically I want to be as close as I can um, to a CBD or water, whatever, like, uh, you know, whatever my budget allows. Um, I only personally, I only buy, um, you know, freestanding homes. I, I don't buy any apartments. And I basically try to, I guess, acquire the most amount of land content that my budget will allow uh, with a property on that land uh, that's going to basically cover the costs of the repayments. That's basically it. Um, It's pretty simple. It's pretty run-of-the-mill, but it seems to work. Um, Like I said, I like being close to the water. I don't know if that's because I grew up on the Central Coast or not, but I just... You know, the closer to the water that you are, there is a less chance that, you know, that there's going to be huge amounts of redevelopments or, you know, land that's going to be, you know, divvied up and, and new houses built and also proximity to a CBD is very, very important as well. And I think as long as you're within sort of an hour, um, you know, I, I think that's um, that's close enough for me and certainly with the infrastructure to, to get to that CBD as well is quite important. So, Mate, nothing, um, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything here. That's probably follows a lot of uh, successful uh, property investors, I guess, theories and, and what they chase. But, mate, that's basically mine. It's a it's a pretty standard recipe, I think, and and the best advice is normally quite boring, you know, because people want to find the the shortcuts. But um, you know, if you're purchasing good quality property with a big land component in a sought after area, you can't really go wrong. So, from a, a philosophical point of view, you're not really sort of necessarily chasing yields versus growth or anything like that. It's it's a yield to to make it sort of neutrally geared. But I guess the 
the the philosophy is around that capital growth is I'm putting words in your mouth. How, how about we get some out of yours? No, 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 no. You, you're spot on, mate. And most of my um, properties, or I basically have a, a balanced um, investment portfolio. Um, you know, uh, we, we were chatting off air, but actually really enjoy, um, you know, like surfing and traveling and, and, and doing things like that. So I like to try and keep my cash flow as, you know, as unimpacted as possible. Um but in saying that, I'm, I'm chasing, I'm a young guy, I'm certainly looking for, for some capital growth, some good, strong, long-term capital growth. And I think it's achievable. Um, you know, you just need to be considering all markets across Australia. Yep. And and how will your sort of philosophy or your bread and butter style investment change? I presume being a young lad, you're still in the acquisition phase. Are you looking to other markets? Are you looking more for cash flow or commercials or mixing it up or is it the same sort of thing? Mate, I, I don't have any commercial assets on my portfolio at the moment, but it's something that I really want to move into and diversify. Um, I, I would have to do a lot more research and speak to some, you know, the right people in terms of what's going to work with commercial property and what isn't, um, yep. you know, on the back of everything that's happened with COVID. But for right now, I'm certainly just looking to, to acquire as many, you know, high quality investment properties as possible um, going forward, right? That's, that's, that's the... That's the position I'm in at the moment and, and I absolutely love it. I love looking for, for new deals. I love looking for new properties. I love looking for new areas. Um, super passionate about it and, um, yeah, that's what I'm going to continue to do. Love it. And what's the end game for you? Enough to live on so you can surf and be a bit of a bum? Yeah, pretty much, mate. That's pretty much <laughs> it. And just have some options, have a bit of security there. Uh, I know everyone has an end game and I, I know, you know a lot of the – the, the really, really experienced um, investment advisors talk about that end game. But um, at the moment, I, I don't have that. Um, I'm just going to continue to to build, um, I guess, my portfolio and, and continue to, to look for new opportunities, but also ensuring that I don't extend myself. You know, I'm a relatively low risk investor. You know, I have good cash buffers in place. Um, the properties that I've purchased, um, are basically, you know, they're low risk. Um, I'm not a ske- I don't speculate on property at all. So, mate, maybe move into that commercial space and, and potentially even some small developments as well with my um, with my brothers um, in the future. But when that happens, I, uh, I'm not sure yet. Maybe next time I'm on, we can discuss that. <laughs> that sounds fun. You get the band back together, the old savings boys from <laughs> from in their teenage years, getting getting into a development. That'd be a nice uh, nice bookend to that story. Mate, you you're <laughs> you're um, also very familiar with the the sort of Newcastle Hunter Valley markets. How, how would you compare those to the Central Coast? Yeah, mate, it's a good question. Um, I, I think they're they're quite different. Um, Newcastle. I've seen Newcastle transform a lot over the last few years. Newcastle, to me, seems as though it's basically becoming its own independent city. Um, there's some, you know, there's some, obviously the the airport there, so there's no real need to go down to Sydney or too much. You know, the CBD there is slowly building. Um, it's gone through a huge amount of gentrification there. There's, it seems like there's new restaurants and bars popping up regularly. There's a lot of young people in the area. Beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Um, but I feel as though Newcastle is a regional town that runs on itself, right? Central Coast can run on its own, but 
it is reliant on Sydney in a way. Um, yeah. And the Hunter Valley, the Hunter Valley is a unique one. It, it's a huge, huge amount of area, but obviously it's predominantly made up of a lot of rural properties. Uh, my mum actually lives up in the Hunter Valley. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's quite different to the Central Coast, I would say. Yep. When it comes to your own portfolio, just taking a step back a bit, are there any major lessons that you've learned along the way? So you're you're pretty resolute in in the style of properties that you go for. Has that been something that's hard won? Have you have you gotten your your hand bitten along the way? Mate, I have. Um, it probably wasn't in the properties that I was purchasing. It was more so um, with my loan structure. Um, I got, you know, I got burnt early, um, with the way my loans were structured. Um, and it's something that I'm still working on regularly to try and maximize my borrowing capacity and, and the ability for me to be able to, you know, to obviously have access to finance to then reinvest. Um, I think it's a crucial, crucial part of, of investing. And it's certainly something that I'm seeing now is the difference between, people with high-performance investment portfolios and people with low-performing investment portfolios. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say loan structure. And I was just uneducated and not only uneducated, I think I just got my advice from from the wrong people. It was, um, you know, it was a little bit, I, I guess it was a big lesson learnt for me. And, it, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything that derailed me or anything like that, but it just put me in a holding phase for, for longer than what I would have liked. Yeah. There's nothing more frustrating when you're trying to grow the portfolio and no one will give you money to do it. <laughs> oh, no, or, or there's, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of breakage fees. It's just very, very frustrating. Ouch. We've, we've done fairly well not talking about the pandemic. Unfortunately, I'm going to need to bring it up a bit uh, again. I'm, I'm seeing from the social media, I guess, from buyers, agents around the joint, um, certainly much more in Victoria, but a lot of the transactions have moved to off-market. Is that something that's happening on the Central Coast as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just this week, I've probably had half a dozen phone calls from different sales agents um, you know, just, I guess, sending me multiple off-market properties. Um, it's just, I think it's just on the back of, you know, owners not being too comfortable with opening up their homes um, to, to the masses. And, and up here, the buyer inquiry is still extremely high. We're talking 30 to 40 groups going through any one property and certainly just the quality properties. Um, so you can understand why owners are a little bit reluctant to open their homes up to 30 or 40 strangers, especially when, you know, the majority up to 80% of those, those buyers are coming through Sydney, right? So, um, seeing the feedback I'm getting from a lot of sales agencies, look, my house is for sale, but come and find me a serious buyer and then we'll talk. But unless you can find me a serious buyer, I'm I'm not interested in um, having my home open to, to the masses or to the public. Which and is that, fair. yeah, of course, um, is that something that is an opportunity for investors? Are, are you possibly going to be able to get a better price? I mean, I think off-market is one of those things that, um, with all due respect, you buyers agents sort of ham up a little bit, like work with me because I get all these exclusive off-markets and you can get properties at this massive discount. I'm sure some of that is true, but is that is that a real opportunity for people? Um, I, 
Look, and I, and I agree with you. Um, I'm certainly not a buyer's agent that goes out there and says that there's huge discounts on all these off-market properties. Um, but certainly having access to the off-market properties means that you're considering all stock available, right? Um, sometimes the off-market properties, the vendors have unrealistic expectations. Um, so there's no need to be you know, moving forward on a purchase if a vendor's expectations are too high. Other times, you know, um, properties are off market because vendors don't have the ability to pay for marketing costs and, you know, obviously on marketing costs and, and advertising fees to sales agents and not only that, um, on the back of the pandemic as well, um, you know, they may, they may not want to go to market but they could be in a, you know, in a financial situation where they actually desperately need to sell. I guess it's yeah. just... It's just approaching each off-market and each property um, on its merits and just deciding whether or not it's right for you or not. Yeah. And and who is selling at the moment? It sort of begs the question if, if people are sort of worried about the price that they're going to get, assumedly they would hold on, although it could be a good opportunity for upgrading if the market is perceived to be depressed a little bit. Who, who are the people that are transacting at the moment? Mate, yeah, another good question. Um, I'm not seeing any one like person selling. Um, I think a lot of the people that I'm seeing now, um, you know, they they've got a variety of reasons. I'm actually there's a couple of people that are actually looking to to move away from the central coast and, and go even further rural. Um, a couple of people are looking at downsizing. It's just really dependent on the individual circumstances. Um, there, there are some people that believe it or not, actually have investment properties and they're, and they're looking to sell here because they think the world's going to cave in and, um, you know, if that's what they think is going to happen, you know, that, that, that I guess that's that's their opinion. Um, but, yeah, this is a huge variety, mate. I wouldn't say there's any one um, demographic selling. Yeah. And with your sort of investors that you're onboarding, is there much demand from Central Coast locals to be investing in the Central Coast or is it really much more exclusively coming from Sydney? No, it's both. It's it's both. I'd probably say there are more people from Sydney looking to invest up here, um, definitely. Um, but there certainly are some, some local investors here that see some opportunities, um, you know, locally where they can basically maximize their investment now um i think it's a a really i know you speak to a a lot of astute buyers on this show and obviously um you know i know you have some people that you work very closely with that are astute buyers i think right now is is actually a really good time to be buying um given that you know given the current environment and the current circumstances there are a lot of people not thinking about you know their investment um portfolio and not thinking about purchasing that owner-occupier place. Um, so I think there is an opportunity now to be to be acting quite quickly and, and getting something. And that and that's the thing, isn't it? O- often the best opportunities are before the, the research comes out to say that prices have moved. It's about sort of having the, having the, I guess, the stomach to go after an investment pre seeing that it's that it's doing well, right? But it's a it's a very tight window, and you've got to have a little bit of bit of confidence and a big pair of cojones, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, mate. And and I think you know that's the difference between you know the good investors and the average investors, right? They look at it and they approach it holistically, and they approach it with a long term um, view. And I think that's the way that you need to if you're going to. Um, succeed in the investment space for sure. 
Given that we're we're talking about Central Coast, which is pretty, I guess, a wide area, it's fairly sort of disparate. What, what sort of demographics are we dealing with? You you mentioned in Long Jetty, there's a lot of young families and that sort of thing. Typically, the coastal regions like Port Macquarie heading a bit further up the coast are, are more sort of the retiree markets, which doesn't generate a lot of cash into the local economy. So you can have, you know, employment concerns. What, what, how would you sort of characterize the central coast? Who lives there? What demand is there for rental properties? And what are those? What is that demand? Is that young families? Is it? professionals working in Sydney? How would you characterise that? Yeah, again, it's very, very diverse. I would say if I could put it into just three categories, I would say first home buyers up here, um, it, there's enormous, enormous demand for um, properties with first home buyers. Um, that's just obviously given the, the affordability. Um, the next one would be young professionals and young families. So, you know, maybe you've lived in Sydney and, you know, you're starting to have a young family, you know, maybe you're still renting or you've saved up some sort of a deposit or maybe you've bought a two-bedroom apartment, say, in the northern beaches or in, in, in a Sydney somewhere and you're basically outgrowing that space and you can basically sell that property down in Sydney, say, for around a million dollars or, you know, you know, depending on where it is and you can essentially get a freestanding home quite close to the beach up here where you can have a growing family and you can just nest and stay here for the long term, right? So they're the two sort of people that I'm seeing a lot. And then the other one is skip forward around sort of 20 or 30 years, people that are looking to retire. So people are moving out of Sydney, um, you know, they're retiring, they're in their sort of maybe late 50s, early 60s, they're cashing in in Sydney, um, you know, sometimes getting upwards of $2 million for their property and then purchasing up here on the coast. And Basically, they're paying cash for um, the property, um, depending on their circumstances, and then also maybe investing the remainder of that money into, you know, their super or, or using that as a, as a bit of a retirement nest egg, if you like. So, um, I'm seeing sort of young, you know, first home buyers and then sort of young families or young professionals, and then there's a bit of a gap, and then there's the, the people that are retiring and, and, and coming here and just looking to have a little bit more relaxed and, and cruisier lifestyle briefcase full of eastern suburbs cash chucked at some premium terrigal real estate yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense right like if you've had the job in sydney um you know and you want to live down in the cbd or close close proximity to to some of those really popular areas um you know you end up buying down there and then you know you meet someone you get married or whatever and then you start to have some young kids and then all of a sudden you know, everyone's sharing this two-bedroom apartment. It's like, all right, we actually need to, to get out of here. Um, what are some alternatives? And and basically, that's what we're saying. It's a very, very common story. It sounds absolutely terrifying too. What's, um, <laughs> what's your crystal ball telling you for the next 12 months for the Central Coast, Matt? Mate, I, I see it performing really, really strongly. Um, I, I really do. Um, I don't see any sort of downward turn. Um especially given that there's low stock available um, and, and in increasingly more and more buyer demand. Um, I, I see things looking really, really strong for the Central Coast, not only over the next 12 months, but probably, you know, over the foreseeable future. And when I say that, I mean 10 plus years. Beautiful. Well, there's there's your next 10 years sorted. Keep doing what you do. <laughs> how, 
how do people get in touch with you if they're a big fan of what you do, Matt? Um, mate, I'm on all of the socials, um, you know, Sharp Property Buyers, also um, LinkedIn, Matt Sharp, and um, also website www.sharpproperty.com.au. We'd happy to help. Reach out, email me. Um, yeah, anytime. I'm happy to, um, to help and uh, help anyone out with this uh, local area. Beautiful. Love your work. Now, to finish us off, if there's one piece of advice that you can impart, what would that be? Um, one piece of advice, I, I would be, I, my advice would be just take some action. Um, if you want to invest, go and do it. If you want to buy that owner-occupied property, start saving, go and do it. If you want to change jobs, just go and do it. I'd just say take some action. I think that's the biggest thing um, that I've done and, and something that I, when I look back on, I'm pretty proud. So, yeah, just take some action. Beautiful. Sagely advice. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for, for coming on and, and putting up with my garbage about you being a rugby league player. You've been a good sport and you've shared some really good gold for us. Thanks so much, Mike. I uh, love coming on, mate. Thank you. Cheers.